Philippians 1, 2 through 11 says, Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God every time I remember you, and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy, because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whenever I am in chains of defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long for you, how I long for you, with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and what may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. And the whole church said, well, I don't know about you, um, but I, I have discovered that grandchildren are just really, really awesome. Somebody say amen. Uh, you know, they, you go and you see them, or they come and see you, even when they come and see you. And we had a couple of them in the house this week. You know, they, they play and... Uh, if you don't know, Marshalls is, is our, our, our boy, and he, uh, you walk in the room, and he just catches you with his eyes. And I mean, he tracks, I don't know, have you ever seen one of those paintings that are kind of freaky, that as you walk across the painting, the eyes seem to follow you? He, he, he's not a painting, and he just, he is soloed in on you until he hears Mimi's voice, and then he solos in on her, and, and she goes that way. And, and you know, the best part is you love on them you get to play with them and then we have a dirty diaper and there is this person this child that you raised who's going to go take them and change the dirty diaper somebody say amen and they start to cry when they get a little tired or whatever and there's this mother there that picks them up and takes them off and it's not your job to deal with that and so grandchildren are just absolutely awesome i'm pretty sure Someone else thought kids of all kinds and all ages, shapes, sizes, colors, whatever you want to say, were pretty wonderful. It is interesting that Matthew, Mark, and Luke will all record and they will record multiple stories of Jesus picking up a child and, and using them to, to speak to the disciples about the kind of humility and, and innocence and faithfulness, trustworthiness that you need. And then, of course, we also have the record of the, the, the mothers bringing children to Jesus. And Jesus simply says, don't you dare keep those children away from me. I am never too busy for those children. We're fairly certain, no, we absolutely know that Jesus was not a grandparent. But that is the attitude of a grandparent. Get those children to me. Parents will say... I've had enough of that. Please go another direction. Grandparents will always say, no, 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 no. Please come to me. We are glad. But of course, we say come to me because we know if there's trouble, we'll hand them off to somebody else. Amen. Jesus seemed to just love them. As we hear the words of Scripture, I have to ask, are they just comments on history? Are they just kind of words that meant, somebody to some, meant something to someone back then? Are they words that were to be heard by those people and we kind of overhear them and say, well, I am so glad Jesus said that to that person, whomever it may be. 
Or I'm so glad that that letter was written to the Philippian Christians because it just sounds like they needed that kind of word. Or, or, as we talked about last week, is he speaking to us? Is he speaking to me? And for me, I would say he is absolutely speaking to me. And he is speaking to you. When we hear words like this, when we hear words like, I thank God for you, when, I hear, when, I, when we hear words, I pray with joy, pray with joy over you, I am thankful for your partnership in the gospel. We do have to absolutely say, Paul is writing to this church in Philippi, but it's very interesting that so early on, the church in Philippi was not the only church that held on to Paul's words to them. Other churches and other individuals seemed to collect those words as if the words weren't just for the person they were addressed to, but instead were somehow inspired by the Spirit, partnered with God, Paul and his writing, partnered with God to speak a word to them. And then a, a, a generation came and went, and they passed on those words. And so while we recognize that there is a setting and a primary occasion for these kinds of words, we have to also recognize that the church preserved them because they all spoke, also spoke to the church of that day. And in my heart, they speak to me. Not just Paul's words, but Paul as God's inspired writer speaks to me and speaks to you. Joy. Partnership. You ever thought of somebody saying, I thank God for you. Paul summarizes his sentiments with the closing phrase, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And I find it interesting, and we could argue about the idea of on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I think you can find in Paul's writing evidence that Paul really did feel like in his time, in his generation, Jesus was coming back again. I would also say to you that at some point, Paul seemed to move off of that idea and began to talk about the coming of Jesus as something that would happen in the future. And I would say to you, he's going to carry it on completion, not just till you get old. Not just carry it on to completion until you get to be 20 or 25, you know, old. Not going to just carry it on to completion until you get to retirement or empty nest life. He's not just going to carry it on to completion until the day you die. God is going to carry on to completion what he began in you until the day Christ returns again and we are all made new. Can somebody say amen? You need to understand this language as being a classic form of blessing, formal blessing. A spoken word that someone speaks to someone that envisions a preferred future of what they're going to be about. Paul would have read his Old Testament, let's be sure and say, Paul probably had most of the Old Testament memorized in his heart. At least had the first five books memorized. To be a Pharisee, that would have been a requirement, not just an encouragement or a good idea. 
need to be sure you understand just because you say, well, why can't we memorize more stuff? Well, be sure when you live in a world, when you live in a world where the written word is everywhere, don't have my phone up here. Somebody say amen that Alan doesn't take his phone to the podium. Um, it would be, be distracting. Um, but we have the f- written word everywhere. In a world where the written word was a very rare thing and you couldn't carry it around in your pocket, the power of memorization was much more, not just a, a good idea, but a necessity. Paul would have known, heard those words. Paul would have seen those forms in so many different ways, not just numbers where Moses tells the Levites to speak the words that we'll sing over each other in just a minute, the Lord bless you and keep you, but he heard Abraham's, God's word to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Paul knew what it was to hear a blessing pronounced on someone. But with God, the future isn't just It would be nice if this happened. With God, the future becomes a great assurance. One of the Bible's most abiding images is when God takes Abram, at that time Abraham, you'll know him more commonly as, and shows his, says, count the stars. Can you count the stars? And for those of us who live in places that have lots of of light pollution, it's It's like, well, you know, it might be possible to count the stars I can see, but when we get off in a place where it's dark, if you ever have the opportunity to go up to uh, Brazos Bend State Park, they have a a telescope thing there. What are those called? Not planetarium. Telescope. Have a telescope there, and they have put it in such a place where you are miles from light, and the sky comes to light. And if you think it's wonderful here, you need to take a vacation to the mountains someday and drive off in the evening and get out of the car and just plan to spend an hour or so. Not that you're going to count the stars, but the stars are going to come to light. Many of you have spent evening like that in the mountains of New Mexico or Colorado. God speaks this count the stars kind of language. And we have to hear two different forms of language, particularly in the Old Testament. There are two forms of language, first of which is covenant language. God promising Abraham, going to give you a son, going to give you land, going to give you a great nation in your name. And particularly the, the, the statement, you will be a blessing to all people. This is covenant languages. You follow me and I will. You hear a lot of this associated with the kings. If you will follow me, if you'll abide in my word, read my word day and light, not turn from it to the left or the right. This should be a phrase you've heard before if you've read your Old Testament. The covenant will be continued on through you. But there's another kind of language that the Old Testament speaks. And by the way, these are not the only two kinds of language. I'm not trying to say that. But that we also hear this idea of blessing. Covenant God promising and blessing God saying, There's something wonderful. There's a preferred future out there for you. Now, sometimes it's humans speaking these blessings. And again, they have no no hand in what the future unfolds other than the foundation that they put someone on and the direction they point them, the wisdom they teach them. But in reality, when God speaks a blessing, it's something different, isn't it? Because the preferred future that God speaks of is a future that God is going to bring about. 
when he says in Jeremiah, tell the people, you don't need to be planting vineyards, you don't need to be doing all this stuff, because I am going to restore you to the land. You don't know all the good things that I have in store for you, even though you're in a place where many difficult things going on. In many ways, in Christ, these two forms come together. In Christ, the language of covenant becomes the language of blessing because in Christ, all of God's covenant work has been completed. Amen? You remember Jesus on the cross. We have words recorded. And John will particularly say, Jesus says, it is, can you finish the line for me? Finished. There's no more unfolding of the story. Although the story will continue and we will see what God will continue to do. There's not going to be another covenant that comes. There's not going to be another set of promises from God. There is this finishing of what God wanted to do through his death and his resurrection. And the resurrection will be made universal when he comes back again. Amen? And so when we hear words of blessing, words of covenant, and blessing come together. I want you to hear the way the prophet Zephaniah combines both the idea of the covenant God has with his people with also with the words of blessing that he wants to point them towards. In verse three, chapter 3, starting with verse 14, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. This is covenant kind of language. He has, turned away from, he has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord. By the way, in this time when he wrote to say the King of Israel was the Lord was to be sure and make a very important point. It's not that guy sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. It's the guy who's sitting on the throne in heaven. Amen. The King of Israel, the Lord is on, in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I have no idea. You guys can raise a pretty good song. I just want to say, you decide that you're going to get behind a song and you can raise a pretty good song. But when it says that the Lord sings loudly over you, I have a feeling it's a whole nother exponential thing. Amen? He will rejoice over with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time and I will save the lame and gather the outcast and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. Isn't it amazing how quickly we want to take the shame of the outcast and the lame and say, I'm glad God's taking care of those people. That isn't the language, is it? Because when we're truthful with ourselves, we are those who can't do for ourselves. Amen. And we are the people who without God would be the outcasts. And he changes our shame into praise and renown in the whole earth. 
It is within this setting of the combination of covenant and blessing. As one in Christ, that Paul's word prays these words over the Philippian church and over us. Confident that he who began a good work in you, in Christ, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. The challenge I want to present to you today and ask you about is, are we listening to what we hear? I presented scripture to you today. Scripture is speaking to us, amen? Scripture wants to change our hearts. But are we listening or are we letting other voices speak louder in our hearts? Maybe we can ask what voices carry the greatest impact for us. First, I have to ask you, and I ask myself these things, same things. Is it your own voice of inadequacy or Jesus' voice of acceptance that you hear more? I appreciate Peter's words around the Lord's Supper. And isn't it wonderful the way all the parts of the service come together to point us towards what God is doing in our celebration of the Lord's Supper. Amen? There, there should never be a word separate and apart, right? Because when we gather, we want to gather around that table. And everything we do needs to point us towards what God has done in our life. Are we listening to our own voice of inadequacy? And by the way, if you're anything like me, you got lots of those little whispers speaking to you. I can remember I went to see a counselor for a while and they would talk about, you got some tapes from your past that you're playing in your head. Tapes is old language. You wouldn't even know what a tape is any longer. It, it, the idea that it, something could be on a loop and continuously playing. Uh, now you just press the shuffle thing and it just kind of shuffles through all those inadequacies. I'm not good enough. Not smart enough. I don't work hard enough. You can hear them over and over again. And they can either become the theme of your life and you work all the time to try and somehow or another address that voice, or you step into the acceptance that Jesus gives you, not because you've become good enough, but because he chooses to love us exactly where we are. The people he died for on the day he went to the cross were not living in some sort of place of, yes, we've got it together. They were scattered in fear. One of his own disciples had been the one who betrayed him. There was something wrong with these people. And yet Jesus said, I'm going to give my life for them. And it's your worst moment on your worst day. You can look at the cross and say, Jesus decided the price to pay was worth it for you and for me and for humankind because he didn't want to leave anybody behind. Secondly, is it the voice of and again, this is connected. If I'm good or if I'm right, or is it Jesus' voice of forgiving? I don't know about you, but it's very easy to sit and listen to Christian proclamation. It's very easy to sit and listen to Scripture being read over me, or particularly the way that songs will sing Scripture over us. And to say, yes, but that's for those people, right? That's for those folks that I know that seem to really have it all together. 
I wish I was good enough for those words to be for me. When you read the words of Zephaniah, these aren't words that are spoken over people that had it all together. They were words that God wanted to speak to his people to say, I'm ready to forgive you from all of that stuff because I want to bring you into a better relationship. And when we see Jesus on the cross, we need to sing those arms, not just stretched out in the agony of the crucifixion, but arms stretched out that want to welcome us into a forgiveness that is for all. John's word, John the Baptist's words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away sin. Are you ready to hear God's forgiveness? Or are you constantly trying to say, well, he'll forgive me when I'm good enough? Let me just real quickly say, if you're sitting around and you've heard about baptism all your life, you've seen people get into this water, you may have been somewhere where you were close enough that the, when somebody went down in the water, it made a little splash, and you, you, you can remember the feel even of the water. I've told you before, my vision, if I could just build a church from scratch, would be that we would put a baptistry right in the middle of everything, and whenever anybody got, got baptized, I would want to make lots of splash so that it went everywhere. Not because you're cleansed by the splash, but we're always reminded of the day that we were the ones who were put into, immersed in the water. And we were the ones that God made a splash with when he buried us and raised us up in his forgiveness. Amen? Through Jesus Christ. If you are sitting around waiting, saying, yes, I'll do that someday when I get this thing straightened out or when my thinking is more right on this, but mostly it's about, I'm just not sure I'm good enough, is it? I'm not right enough. I want to tell you right now, you'll never get there, because you can't get there without the waters of baptism. Somebody please say, that wasn't good enough. Somebody please say, yes. I like the yes. Thank you, Shannon. Third, Is it Satan's voice of condemnation or Jesus' song? I should have said song. Jesus' song of rejoicing. Which one rings in your head? Satan is never going to stop speaking condemnation. And because Satan speaks condemnation does not mean that we're condemned. Hallelujah. Because God's voice is greater than Satan's voice. Because the impact... Remember God said, let there be light, and what happened? In all the cosmos, light. And when God said, mine over you, it doesn't matter what Satan speaks because his voice cannot carry what God carries. But unfortunately, Satan's always kind of there, isn't he? Always kind of saying, not really, not enough. I think that's the one that comes to me most often not enough and yet the voice of God the voice of Jesus sings over us with great rejoicing in anticipation of a day when all things are made new and we will all rejoice together in his presence for all eternity and the whole church said Mark will tell us 
Again, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell this story of the children coming to Jesus. No, 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 disciples, he rebukes them. Strong language. Rebukes the disciples. You let those children come to me. Don't ever stop those children from coming to me. But Mark will be the one who will say, Jesus took them in his arms. And he laid his hands on them. And he blessed them. had five grandchildren now, and two of them are really not quite old enough to do it. But the day that they get old enough to kind of get their own energy up and see you and come to you with their arms outstretched for a hug, and in some small way, I don't know about you, but in some small way, when I pick them up, I hope they understand that these are not just my arms. These are not just my blessing. These are not just my hands being laid on them, but it is God's arms and God's hands and God's blessing on them. What would it feel like for Jesus to say, stop that. I want to let Nash come in because I want to give him a hug I didn't anticipate this but I, sh I picked the wrong guy come on goodness gracious we're not going to stop at that Nash there are very few people that give as great a hug as Nash does and I am blessed to get to be part of that and I just want you to know church when Nash hugs me God's hugging and you can have one of those, too. I'm fairly certain he gives them fairly freely. Thank you, Nash. Can y'all bless Nash, please? He looks at you, John. And he says, come. You don't have to come. Margaret, he looks at you. He says, come into my arms. Harold, he looks at you. He says, come into my arms. And that is the reality he speaks over us, if we will hear it. The reality of the language of promise that I love you and will love you and the language of blessing that I will carry you in you on my arms because the thing that I have begun, I will carry on to completion. Let us hear. Let us hear the words of God. Let the little children come to me. Do you hear him calling you? Today, this morning. We're going to sing a song, and you're welcome to come forward and say, I hear him calling me. How do I step forward in that relationship? And we'll begin that conversation. You can ask that of anybody that's nearby, but you're welcome to come forward and make that a public proclamation as we sing this song. If you're online with us, virtual with us, there's a number, 979-217-3300. We would be glad to start the conversation, whether you're virtually or you are just somebody who would rather start the conversation that way. You're free. You're invited. Not by me, but by the guy who hung on that cross and the guy that God raised from the dead. Won't you come? As we stand and as we sing. You give life, you are love, you bring life to the dark.